Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 25. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Today's episode is a discussion that I recently had with my co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez, as well as our special guest, Charles Goodnight, who leads a grief support group at Baker Heights. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that conversation. The thing that I had been uh, thinking about, it was after uh, you made the announcement about the, the fall grief class that was going to be started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing that I was actually thinking about was if there was a place for someone who hadn't necessarily suffered any type of a loss, who wasn't necessarily there to commiserate in, in grief, but for someone to attend that class to to try and be an edification, to try and build other mm-hmm. people up, to to be there for for support or if that was inappropriate for that style of class and i don't know it just it just got me thinking about how we approach grief counseling and how how we approach people who who have had loss and not just necessarily death but uh, children who've fallen away and, and and different things like that spouses who don't attend all, all these types of things that can cause serious you know, emotional grief and spiritual grief among uh, people and how we approach it and whether whether we're just afraid to actually try and be helpful to them. Um, you know, the type of thing where it's like, well, yeah, we want them to have their own class, but I don't want to be there. I don't, cause I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to be and, and that type of thing. It's a good point. I, I believe that the principles of grief counseling and grief work are very similar to any other kind of grief. I'm not grief, but counseling. Um, we one of the first things when we first started the grief support group is we talked to the people or i talked to the people very strongly about if you're going to get over your grief you need to help somebody else you need to talk to somebody else you need to encourage somebody else grab a friend whatever it is it just gets the focus off yourself i think the biggest grief work that is done is done by other people Uh, you don't have to have lost or had a major loss. I mean, everybody has had some kind of loss, whether it's – oh, I can't think of them right now, of all, of all things. But um, it can be a job. It can be a house burned down. It can be a child that ran away. It can be friendship that has been for years and all of a sudden you don't have it. Those are all places where we are going to grieve. And how do I get over it? And I, I – probably didn't make that very clear but i think anybody that would like to have the encouragement on how to deal with that that's why i chose especially this series depression because it's one of kuba ross's five um stages of grief and we haven't had a chance to talk about in our grief support classes at all because so many other other things took precedent but my goodness uh depression is real um it hits us all in one way or the other. It may not as be as severe for me as it is for you or vice versa, but it's a very real thing, and I hope that people, anybody that is having a difficulty with depression feels like they are, feels like they're having that extreme, excessive sadness over something, whatever it is, will make an attempt to come to the class. Maybe they'll get some help. If not from my words from the Word of God, and from others who have had that same experience. You know, when you got up and talked to us that uh, 
Sunday evening. I guess it was two Sundays ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised and astonished and um, excited by something my daughter said. I don't know if Doug shared it with you, but mm-hmm. um, my daughter immediately afterwards said, can we go and uh, meet with the, the group when they meet this next time? And whether we, I don't know if we're going to be able to because of uh, circumstances, but that's something that she has not forgotten and is actually you know kind of reminding me that she wants to help with that. And it's like, I don't always have a heart like that. You know that sees that sees need and wants to fill it, and and that that made me happy, and also at the same time, it made me wish that I had that that heart um, desire that have that heart. So now I'm 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 desiring to do that as well. But um, but it's it's amazing how um, sometimes kids latch on and pay attention to the things that are important more than we think they do, and maybe even more than we do. It, it's really amazing, but I, I think that's the key. I, I I love this situation because everybody needs it in some way or another. Um, by the way, next Saturday we're meeting and we're having pizza, so kids like yeah. pizza. <laughs> so I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I don't know. There's they're, they're just so much uh, in dealing with grief. Um you're almost overwhelmed when it first happens or when you first start experiencing it or you realize that we have some people in the group that for the first time in several years they're talking about their loss i say wow to that and i say praise god because that's what it's about you see the 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 thing that is kind of itching at the back of my mind is that I would I would hope that there would be a way to learn now before before I have some type of catastrophic event in my life or before uh, I've I've held on to something for years and years, but to get into the habit now and get into the process of of developing a heart that seeks Christ in times of grief that seeks. Uh, edification and comfort uh, from my fellow Christians. I, I want to find a way not just to necessarily deal with the grief I have now, but also to prepare myself for that time, for, for when it will happen. You know, we're, we're going to have times of grief in this life no matter what we do, and I want to be ready for it. I want to be ready to deal with it the appropriate way, but I always I struggle with, with even knowing how to approach it. I struggle with even knowing how to you know, it's like I want to start by being there for other people, but I don't even know how to do that because I want to, I'm a fixer, you know, when people have problems, I want to fix it for them. I want to give them the, well, step one and, and walk them through it. And I can't, I can't do that with these types of things. I mean, I truthfully can't do that with almost anything, but, but that's my, my mentality that I bring to the table. And, and it makes me struggle. It makes me hesitate. It makes me hold back. And it's like, there are things that I want to say to people based on the scripture based on on just the knowledge that god has given us there but i feel like i don't have a place to say it i feel like i don't have a way to say it until i've been where they are but that's that's not the reality of it but that that's the kind of thing that holds me back yeah it's amazing i i I will tell you that so many of these folks that are going through this grief support 
here at Baker Heights, and some that aren't. I, I even do a grief support group at, at our work. Um, I mean, so many of them, the way they start helping themselves is just by talking about the story, telling the story. Uh, I could probably give you a four or five um, point solution. Uh, it won't work for you. It'll work for somebody else. But um, but then again, it might. It, it gives you something to think about. Uh, for example, we tell people that when you're grieving, one of the first things you do is you have to pray. You have to pray hard. Now, my wife reminded me that what if the person is not a believer? What if? Telling them to pray, is that going to help? Probably not. But what you can do is you can be their friend. And I think one of the greatest ways of helping yourself deal with grief is by having a friend, by being with others, by talking and telling the story, telling the story over and over and over and over and over again. It never gets old. There's other things we encourage people to do. We encourage them to journal, uh, get a book, get a notepad of some kind, and just write, write, write till you're blue in the face maybe. Secret, but write about your sorrow, your grief. Um, it gets it out there, out of your system, out of yourself, inner self, to where you can help help other people, really. I really believe, I really believe, and this is one thing that we've talked about over and over again, is you've got to spend time in the Word. And I really believe the Psalms are so perfect for people that are in grief. And there's hundreds and hundreds of Psalms that you can read that will help you deal with that. I told one person one time, I said, I want you to go to Psalm 23. Everybody knows the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I said, I want you to read it three times a day, when you get up, at lunch, and at supper time. And then for good measure, read it when you go to bed. I want you to do it for six weeks. <laughs> they looked at me and said I was kind of silly doing that, but they did it. And after that six weeks, they started getting a relationship with the Savior and with the shepherd that she hadn't had before. And I said she because it was a she. But uh, it's amazing what you do when you really give yourself into reading the Word of God. It makes a difference. You know, I wonder if the, one of the things that you mentioned, um, basically uh, when we're mourning and when we, when we have uh, a loss of any kind, if part of what we really need to do is just what you're saying is express it. We have to put it into words so that in some sense we can even comprehend what we're mourning. It's not just some thing. It's not just someone. It's it's all the things that you know about them. All the things that, you know, all the things that you, you don't get to see anymore. All the things you don't get to experience anymore. It's all the all these things that you, you if you don't really write it out, you you bottle it up and and there's things that just pull at your heart and you if you don't really express it you don't really know what it is that's what what it is that's tugging on your heart um and and sometimes i think we don't really 
we don't really express ourselves very much in the church. We like to bottle things up. We like to keep things to ourselves. We like to, uh, we don't allow ourselves the fellowship of faithful um, 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 relationships that, that well, it, can improve. Am I the only person morning. that feels like I'm imposing on people? Uh, I mean, you know, that. I mean, I've, I've kind of tried to wrench myself into when I'm feeling that way. Um, I mean, I've, I've told Wes before that Sunday evening, Sunday nights, sometimes are just low times for me because I come off of this, this day that I've spent in service of the Lord and worship and in study. Uh, if I've been teaching or if I've been writing outlines for other teachers and doing all this other kind of stuff, and, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm just steeped <laughs> in the presence of the King. And then I'll be laying there in bed thinking, oh, I don't get to do this again tomorrow. I get to, <laughs> you know, I at least have to ostensibly spend my time thinking about mechanical engineering or something, or, you know, it's, it's just, it, and it can become a low time. And, but then I have to, I have to force myself to try and express that to somebody. And, and I've, I've kind of gotten to where I can force myself to tell Wes, but then of course I just, I'm kicking myself thinking, Oh yeah, that's one more person who gets to tell his tale of woe to Wes, you know, like he doesn't have anything better to do. And, and so then I'll, I'll tell him something or more, more often I'll, I'll hint something at him and then he'll kind of, he'll kind of squeeze me until something, you know, till he gets the truth he gets the whole story and then I spend the rest of the time apologizing for having the temerity to impose on his friendship you know and it's 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 so weird you know those those on the one hand trying to take all these steps to be ready to prepare by establishing relationships where you can do that kind of thing uh, building those relationships so that they're there when you when you need that or and when you can then do that for other people trying to do all that preparatory work and then when when the time comes feeling feeling miserable about having imposed my issues on somebody and i want to say this that oh i hope i don't get shot in this room but um it's a man thing a lot of times men have a much difficult much more difficult time telling the story getting out of their system they, it's very i have the same problem the other day i was um Man, I, you know, I, I'm a hospice chaplain, and so I, I deal with death every day almost. And and sometimes I just really get down about it. And I know that's hard to believe, but <laughs> I, I get to where I'm – I don't think I'm depressed, but I'm just in a funk. And I have to go back and remember what I tell others. I told our group the other day, I said, you know, sometimes I may just need to grab one of y'all and talk and hug because I feel sad and I feel depressed or I feel down because we've had this, 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 and this, and this. Last week was a horrible week for me, you know. But, you know, with God's people, and especially people like here at Baker Heights that are so loving and caring and understanding, but especially with the relationship I think I have with the Lord uh, helps me through that, those moments, and I think it helps anybody. But I have a hard time telling the story sometimes. Don't you think that, that grief is one of those things that it, it is incredibly hard, and like any other thing in our life, it's, 
it's more difficult than we could possibly imagine. It's it's different than we possibly imagine on this side of it. Um, you know, I always tell people about parenting when when a young couple is expecting or when they first get married. And I say, you know, being married um, or being a parent is different than you think it's going to be. I mean, it's it's in that case, it's better than you think it's going to be. It's more wonderful, but it's also harder than you think it's going to be. Uh, you can prepare and you should prepare, uh, but it's just different. But that being said, even, you know, even as prepared as somebody can be, they're not going to be, it's going to catch them off guard. It's going to take their breath away, whatever that is. And I think grief is the same way. Um, but, but I think that there are people that because they haven't done any spiritual preparation, because they don't live spiritual lives, that grief is, you know, it's harder for them. It is, it ought to be, I think, easier for those of us that have built a solid foundation in the gospel and have walked with the Lord and have these close relationships so that, you know, I know that if if one of my children died or my wife died, um, I, 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 there's so much about that situation that I don't have any idea how it would feel, but I know who would be with me. I know that the guys in this room and so many others would be there with me. And, and I know people would say dumb things to me, you know, and they would try to explain it and they would probably even hurt my feelings about some of it. But I know that ahead of time because I've walked with other people in their grief and I've loved these guys and these guys love me, love me. And so I know, I, I don't know what it would feel like, but I know who would be with me. These people in in one, but but most importantly, the Lord. And and so because I have that relationship with him, but even in those moments where we are experiencing those those times of discouragement or even depression, the gospel is the good news, especially in those times. And Sunday nights for me is is a hard time, obviously. I mean, I, I, I spend my day, you know, exhausting myself, and then I go home, and I'm discouraged, and I, I, I wonder, did I did I glorify God? Did I did I serve Him to the best of my ability? And so I'm down, you know, not, not in a grief kind of way necessarily, but I'm down. And I heard something the other day that said that preachers have to preach the gospel to themselves when they go home on Sunday nights. Sometimes it's out of pride, and if they're feeling <laughs> proud of themselves, they need to preach the gospel to themselves. But if they're down, they need to preach the gospel to themselves. And I, I, I pity the people who don't know the gospel when they go through times of grief. They don't know the good news, um, and so they're not able to find comfort in it. Um, and even Christians, there are a lot of Christians that don't know the gospel. They don't know how good it is. They don't know um, about Jesus, and they don't understand the relationships in the church. And so they're not prepared, as prepared as a person can be. Um, they're, they're not prepared to face those moments. Would you say that grief— is probably the single greatest, most powerful revealers of spiritual problems, of spiritual deficiencies that we can possibly have. I mean, that's because I've seen it in so many other people, and then I can see it in myself, where you think you're going along just fine. You think you're building. You think you're you're growing. You think you're you're working working out your salvation with the Lord. And and then something will happen, and it reveals, you know, your your prayer life is revealed to be insufficient because you don't know how to pray properly. You know, you you feel you realize you've suddenly fallen back into the exchange of goods and services with God type of attitude about prayer, uh, or something 
emotional will hit and and you'll get that reminder of well you know you need to take this to to the lord and and you start realizing wow it's 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 been a little while and i haven't been living a, a life of daily prayer and daily communication it's just it's one of those things where just grieving about anything can really reveal those spiritual deficiencies in your life but then that makes it even harder because a lot of times the answer is well you need to you need to repair the spiritual deficiency first that's how god can bless you in this time that's how how god's promises that's why you can have peace you know that there is there isn't the peace that surpasses understanding outside of christ and unfortunately you can't you can't just because you're grieving or just because you're sad or upset or or having this horrible time that doesn't get you entrance to the kingdom you know you have to be in christ so how do you prepare for it and i think that's the big question and I think it means we've got to do a lot of education. We've got to do a lot of teaching. We've got to grow people, grow Christians, because it's true. In our support groups, and our support group classes, grief classes, so many people don't have that relationship with the God above like they should have. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle to tell the story. It's a struggle to deal with it. In my situation, when I I work in hospice, I work with a lot of people that aren't Christians. And I, I pray before I go into a home or to a hospital room that God will lead me in saying the right things, doing the right things. But I think I think a big part of it is I just try to show them the Lord. I, I, I'm not going in there to preach and yell and scream at them, but... I'm going to open that Bible, I'm going to read to them, and I'm going to build a relationship. So they'll trust me and listen to me as I teach. And um, I think that's we got to have that relationship before. I, I've always said that. If you don't have a walk with God, you're not going to be able to walk through this journey of grief and sorrow. By the way, grief never ends. Uh, sometimes we read things and say, well, how do you get over your grief? You don't. You don't get over it, grief. I, I want to read a, a, a short little poem. Grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. And I really believe that. If you don't know love, if you don't love the Lord, if you don't love your family, if you don't love others, you're not going to grieve when they die. I got to thinking about that the other day, and I wondered. My house burns down. I lost all my possessions, and I grieve. Does that mean I loved my possessions? And I did some really serious uh, looking at myself when I said that because I think it changes your whole relationship with everything and everybody. I heard the other day, I heard somebody say that he was talking about prayer, and um, it was actually a book, and and it said that um, the, the key to understanding prayer is that that we have to first realize that God is all we need, and once we realize that God is all we need, we can tell him all we want. And and so I, I think that, that people are telling God all that they want, or even thinking that they're telling God what they need. Um, 
when when they've got to first, Christians have to first come to grips with God is all I need. And then because of Christ, he gives us the type of relationship with him where we can tell him all we want. We can tell him how we hurt and we want that to be taken away. And you look at the Psalms, like you mentioned earlier, Charles, that, that I mean, the psalmist, I mean, is absolutely confident and bold in telling the God of heaven what he wants. I want these enemies taken away from me. I want this pain gone. And But at the end, he always comes back to, but you are my strength. You are my shield. You are my comforter. And, and I think that that's what we've got to, I mean, that to me is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four. That's how he has strength and he is able to be content in any situation is because he realizes that God is all he needs. And it's okay to tell God all you want when you know that God is all you need. Wow. <laughs> I did a I, d- I did a little Wednesday night talk one time that I was I I wasn't at all sure that it was the right thing to do, um, but I felt strongly that it was a that it was the truth and that it was a message worth getting out there, and it got it got some reaction. But I talked about losing the the closest thing to you, losing spouses, losing children. Um, and what I talked about was ensuring that the Lord is your portion, you know, and, you know, go back and talk about the prophet. Why, why is he able to say the Lord is my portion? What does that even mean? You know, and it goes back to the Levitical priesthood. They, they weren't given a piece of the promised land. And instead they were told, I will be your portion. And we're that new priesthood. We, we should be living lives in which we can honestly say the Lord is my portion but I mean, it's, it's like you said a minute ago, when your house burns down, do you discover that you just lost your portion? Or when your spouse dies, do you discover you just lost your portion? Or the, the thing that I had in the back of my mind was if I lost one of my children, I, I knew then when I said it that that would be me losing my portion. And, and how, how then do I change my mind? How do I change my heart to be able to say the Lord is my portion? And understand thus that that my prayer life can now be empowered by that because I recognize him as being the be all and end all of what I could possibly want and desire in this life and the next. But that's it's so hard to say that without feeling like you're somehow lessening the love that you have for these other people. Well, I I was just going to say that, I mean, the context of Jeremiah saying that is in the context of the book of Lamentations. And I mean, it is a heart wrenched uh, with grief and lamenting over the horrible destruction and death that is all around him in Jerusalem. And in the midst of this this song, this poem of, of grief, then he says, but the Lord is my portion. His His mercies are new every morning, and that's what we've got to. Uh, if we've got to realize that both are okay. I mean, sometimes we act like at funerals, and and when we're helping people that are grieving, we act like just suck it up and, and get over it. You know, it's like, you know, don't, don't cry. And I, and I hear people say things. I, I'm sure you hear people say things like uh-huh. that, Charles. It, don't, don't, it's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. I mean, that's not a Christian thing to say. I don't think, I mean, Jesus, Jesus wept. Uh, the prophets lamented and cried and wept. I mean, God, 
God allows us our grief to 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 pour out our heart to him and say I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm 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 torn apart inside. Yes, I know that God is my portion, but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that that I'm I'm heartbroken over this situation. It it helps me, it encourages me, but but the situation is still the situation and it and I'm still lamenting in this in this brokenness. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, you know, mourning as a whole and grieving, you know, one of the things that I, like, I can conceive grieving for the loss of my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, I can conceive of grieving the loss of my wife. I can conceive of grieving the loss of my children. I, I comprehend that. The thing that I really struggle with is comprehending the loss of someone that I hardly know. Someone that I know was a godly person or someone someone who who I I who I know wasn't a godly person. Is 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 that something that it seems to me that I should have a heart that mourns the loss of of anything of value to God. Is that is that Oh, is is that appropriate or I mean cuz I imagine as you deal with other people's loss on a regular basis that it it causes you grief and mourning but is that just grief and mourning for 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 them or oh. I think it's a selfish mourning a lot of times just for me because I've lost somebody I like and love you know um and, and be reminded that, that mourning is the outward expression. Grief is the inward. And, and so that in a very real way, there's two different things. We grieve a lot of things. But, boy, getting it out and the crying is so important. Shedding of tears, as Jesus did. I, I think it's normal, James. I really do. And I don't know if I have the answer for that. I deal with people on both sides every day. And um, I've learned the best thing to do sometimes is just to be quiet and listen. The more I talk, the more it gets me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> I always tell people that I always think about Job's friends, and I, and I Don't say be a shoe with friends right. like that well, who needs enemies. Right, exactly. But but the, the the good thing that they did was for days in the beginning when they first got there was they just sat with them and they said nothing. They absolutely said nothing. They just sat with him. It's when it's when he started to ask why, and they started to explain why that they got themselves in trouble. And I think that that's that that's always something I try to keep in the back of my mind when I go to the house of mourning. Is that they're always going to be asking why? The mourning people that are in grief and people that are mourning are always asking why. Why did this happen? And we have to resist the urge from trying to be theological, I think, and explain to them, uh, even if we think we've got this well-reasoned out theological thing, you know, well, (laughs) sin entered the world, and because of sin, then there's death. And, you know, no, no, no. I mean, you just have to say, you just have to hug them sometimes, and you just have to say, I love you, and God loves you, and and God is good. I know know this hurts, and, and God is good, and just reminding them. That that they're loved by by you by others by God and um, but but yeah it's it's a real temptation to try to say you know I've I've stood outside I remember when I was a young preacher I very first I'm still a young preacher I know but um, <laughs> but but when I first started preaching I was in my 20s and I was standing in the in the hospital corridor with a with a man who was losing his wife after you know I don't know 
40, 50 years of marriage. And they were, we were standing in the corridor with one of his cousins, and his cousin said, you know, um, something like, God, God works in mysterious ways. And, you know, I mean, he was trying to explain and comfort. And I thought, so God gave her cancer? That's what you're trying to tell him right now? I mean, w- w- in the, the time where he most needs to turn to God and know that God loves him, you're saying that God is killing his wife. I mean, that was basically by his theology um, and his theological explanation. He was he was putting it on God, and um, the and the guy the the husband wasn't even asking why. He was just volunteering these these uh, suppositions in order to try to bring comfort. And and to me, it was entirely the wrong thing to do. When I was a youth minister many years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, many years ago. Uh, we had a 16-year-old girl in our youth group that died very tragically in the hospital room. She had a blood clot that broke loose and killed her. And she didn't have anything serious when she went in the hospital. She just, it happened. What do you say to those parents? I went over that night. I'm a young, fledgling preacher, youth minister, and I was scared to death. What was I going to say? And you know what I did? There's two things I want to tell you. I, I, first of all, I didn't say anything. I think you're right. I know you're right. I just went up and hugged them. And I stayed around for a little bit, but I didn't hawk them and didn't stay around and try to, you know, I left. Then the day of the funeral came. We were at the graveside. I didn't do the service. The former youth minister did it. And I remember his words. Basically, do you remember what Paul said? about how Christ died and rose from the dead. And he said, do you really believe this? Do you really believe this to the parents? And that's all he said, and he walked down mm-hmm. the way. And I thought that was so perfect, he said. Where is our faith? Go back to our faith. The less you say, the better many times. But be there and encourage and love and support and lean on the Lord. What else you can do? A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. Bum, bum, bum.